You've stopped in at the guidepost. Brought to you by the American Saltwater Guides Association. Stock up on gear, grab a coffee at the counter, and get ready to hear incredible fish stories from the best captains on the East Coast and thought-provoking conversations with stakeholders and policymakers working to protect these fisheries. This podcast is presented by Costa Sunglasses. Everybody, welcome to the Guide Post. I got two awesome guests today. Super excited. Conservation, basically, from around the coast. I want to introduce Captain Cody Rubner and Captain Benny Blanco. And I'm going to let them tell you a little bit about themselves. Thanks so much for having me, Tony. Um, Benny Blanco coming to you from very south tip of Florida. And, um, you know, I'm... I've kind of made a name for myself for fighting and standing up for the Everglades, and uh, that's where I'm hailing from today. Yeah, and uh, Cody Rubner here. I'm uh, currently set up in Stewart, Florida. That is a new home where I'm uh, building my guiding business and also my, my marketing business, but originally hail from New England, so I was a, uh, was a striper nut growing up. And uh, that's kind of, you know, how I've really connected with ASGA and, and ASGA's fight to save stripers. And now we're uh, shifting topics here a little bit and hopping on to talk about water quality and uh, what's going on in Florida. Yeah, I'll tell you, I, I think Benny and I met Cody back when he was a Costa guy. And, and I can speak for myself, but I was super impressed with the young man, uh, really bright and, and you could just tell he cared about conservation. Um, and, and, it, and it shows with how much work he's doing for all of us. And, Benny, I think you guys knew him over at Captains for Clean Water at Costa as well, right? For sure. I met Cody on a Costa shoot um, a couple of years, three years ago or so. And um, we connected immediately. I could, pick, I could pick up right away that he had a ton of talent and, and you know, wanted to be in the industry. It's all about water. And then as, as, you know, we got more involved in everything Everglades, um, he became involved and it was, it was a pretty, you know, uh, everyday occurrence to see him and, you know, speaking up and speaking from a different perspective, which was very refreshing. And so when he left Costa, I mean, I, I didn't hesitate at all to, to align our businesses together, to find a way to work together. And here we are. Yeah, I think I think I can, you know, think back to iCast of, let's see, it would have been 2019, right? Because COVID changed things up a little bit. But I remember uh, Benny giving, giving a pitch. He's in a business meeting with uh, Costa about Everglades, about Guide and Flow TV, which I'm sure he's going to explain here on the podcast. And, um, you know, the, the passion behind what, what he was pitching and what he was trying to do was, you know, I, I think it stood out amongst the giant circus that is iCast and everything you see ebb and flow in those boots uh more for for worse than than for better but um totally stood out and at that time i had actually not been to the everglades and so fast forward uh a handful of months i did go for my first time a a weekend camping trip with a a handful of anglers and instantly fell in love And, and you know it made sense right now i understood everything that everyone was talking about and you know i can't even imagine 10 20 30 plus years of of spending as many days as you can in the everglades and now 
with the opportunities in front of us and what's going on with the Everglades, why you would have such a strong passion behind fighting. So uh, it was a, a natural alignment. And I think, you know, everyone on this and everyone in our immediate circle sees eye to eye with, with what we're trying to do and, and kind of the role of responsibility we have. So uh, humbled hey, and honored cool? to, to I be mean, involved. Let's be honest here for a second. You know, Benny, <clears throat> sometimes I, I, I kind of get, I don't think I ever get down in the dumps because I'm, I'm too dumb to, uh, to quit. <laughs> but, um, you know, I kind of look at people who, you know, and I'm, I swear I'm not going to take this on a social media tangent. But I look at all these people who just, you know, put all their fish pictures up and talk fish and talk fish and talk fish. And I'm a pretty simple man. And, and I, I have never not fought for what I love. And you see these guys, and, and they get, you know, this kind of fame, whether it's real or self-perceived, and, and, and they don't fight for it. And it confuses the hell out of me. And then you get a kid like Cody come along, and I think that's why everyone embraces people like that. Because you, you're, you gives you hope for, like, the next generation. Because sometimes I got to it's not it's never hopeless. You know, like I said, I'm too dumb. But, like, it can wear you out. There's, it can wear you no out. Doubt. There's no doubt. I, I, I am thoroughly frustrated by my generation, the generations that came before me, who absolutely didn't use their voice at all, uh, with the exception of a handful. You know, and very much like you pointed out, there are so many who look at social media or the platform they've created as an avenue to build more business around themselves or or to make themselves famous, or and that's a complete waste in my opinion. Um, everything I do online is for the purpose of exploiting that platform to speak more about conservation, about you know changing this culture. And um, Cody absolutely gives me so much hope. There's the younger generation of anglers these days are, you know, I was hoping to make it cool for them to speak up, and they're like inspiring me to speak up more uh, because they just get it and so to have younger generations getting involved now is just i mean it's it's epic there's no other there's no better word for it it's epic so no, I, uh, I think uh, benny you know real quick what it kind of reminds me of is uh, the recent contest you did with guide and flow tv right and you know there were a lot of really compelling submissions who was basically telling their uh, their trophy fish stories right what they were inspired by and experience on the water and and why they wanted to protect it. And some of the most compelling stories were, were coming from kids, you know, 10, 11, 12, sometimes younger, right? So uh, I think what you talked about, there's definitely been a culture shift. I think you see it in, in business a lot too. There's a, there's a lot of uh, business partners that are uh, manufacturers that have realized that having a stake in the game with conservation affects their business in, in a positive way. And so I think there is a culture shift um, going on right now to make conservation cool and, and make smart cool and make caring cool. And so um, definitely uh, excited and eager to contribute to that however I can. I'll tell you one of the, one of the coolest things about conservation, and I'd love for Benny's opinion on this because there's a reason why, there's a reason why I'm going to say this. And I'm, I'm going to preface what I'm going to say with what I saw in Florida. And I pay attention to fisheries policy it's my job and um and when uh florida's last governor's election the people in florida 
made the environment the number one issue. It wasn't an issue. It was the only issue. And if you followed that election, it was the only time in my life in following policy and resource policy, fishing policy, that I saw groups come together and make clean water, the environment, a healthy resource, the reason why somebody got elected. And, and Benny, I, you know, I, you were, you were in the trenches during that. And I, I'd like to hear your thoughts on that because there were a lot of us watching up and down the coast saying, man, I, I want some of that secret sauce. Like, give me some of that. You know, I've never seen that in an election. I can't even get people to listen to me. Yeah. So how, well, how did all those people get together and work on that, Benny? Well, the, the election you're speaking of was 2018, and our fight started in 2015 and 16. And um, it started around rallying for the Everglades. Um, everybody, every, you know, we went to Tallahassee in D.C., and it was evident that everybody knew the Everglades was important. They agreed, you know, about the general concept that the Everglades was was important and they needed to spend money. They couldn't agree with who was going to spend it and where it was going to come from. And they, for like they had done for decades prior, had basically sh shuffled all those requests under the rug and, and just kind of given it $5 here, $10 there, and, and hoped everything would go away eventually. And, and it didn't. And it came to a culminating head in 2016 where Captains for Clean Water was created, where all these organizations were created. And um, what we realized is that when we stood up in small groups, local groups, county groups, state level groups, that politicians were listening. And that's, that's literally the only ember that we needed to start the fire. And uh, once that fire started, Captains for Clean Water blew up. Every single angler in the state of Florida felt like they were a captain for clean water, and they truly are. Um, as by the time 2018 elections came around, we had fully realized what our voice was. We fully uh, optimized our abilities to stand on platforms and podiums and speak up and yell and motivate anglers around to speak up. Um, and the, the cool thing that kind of happened all in 2018 at the same time was that we realized as a collective group of organizations fighting for the Everglades that the missing ingredient was passion. And anyone who spends their life on the water, around the water, has a business that's related to the water, does it for passion. They, they, there's nothing else. You know, it's not about money. I mean, guides, we don't make money. <laughs> we, it's about passion. We love what we do. I, I love what I do. There's no other reason why I pull my clients today into that wind with no sun on the hope of one shot for money. It's for passion. And so 2018 made us realize that passion. And um, everybody in the state of Florida s stood up and spoke up. And um, like you said, for the very first time, I probably in election history in this country, water quality was the number one topic. And uh, we've been fighting since to continue to keep it there. And, and so far, that's been the case. You know, Benny, I, I try so hard. Um, anytime I'm working on any fisheries issue, is to tell the guys constantly and the ladies that conservation knows no party. It knows no party. That's right. It just needs to be an issue. And, and um, you know, I think you guys proved that uh, because it seems to me, looking from the 
looking from afar at the issue that you that your governor, your, your current governor, is keeping his promises to you, which is just as incredible as making water the issue for the election. And and we've spoken about that privately, and it seems to be that's that's the way it's going. Yeah, I, I agree. I, we you know from based on politicians in the past, we hoped we were promised 10 things and we get five and we were promised five and got 10. That never happens. Um, and he absolutely is realizing what we preached from the beginning, which was, you know, the Everglades is like a big fat softball on a tee. And all he has to do is swing and hit it hard. And he's doing that, and he's going to knock it out of the park. And it's going to be his legacy. Um, we're going to save the Everglades. Pre- prior to 2018, I don't think anybody could say that with any any amount of certainty. It was very questionable whether we'd be able to actually do it, in, you know, because it was so bleak. Now, all of us are speaking with a great amount of certainty that we are going to save the Everglades. And it's going to be this governor who turned the table and made it happen. And so it's, it's going to be his legacy. It's going to be our legacy, but it's going to be his legacy. Uh, even, even more interesting in in all of this is the fact that, uh, you know, I mean, I know Benny, you're, you're getting to know us at the guides association and our whole deal is better business through conservation. And that's, if there was one sentence that described this issue in the Everglades, Every penny you invest is going to come back exponentially. I think I, I saw you 130 million visitors a year. The, the, the current projection is a four to one return on investment with there over 450,000 jobs over the course of restoration. I mean, that's, if, that's, if there's ever an infrastructure spend, that's it. That's, uh, you know, that's pretty incredible. Um, you brought up an infrastructure spend. And I've noticed, you know, the infrastructure package that's currently in play on Capitol Hill, the American Jobs Plan, combined with appropriation season. And for the listeners, appropriation season is basically where Congress sits down and figures out where their money's going to go. So for the listeners, you guys may remember uh, in the previous administration there was something passed called the Great American Outdoors Act. And there's this fund. And if you've played baseball on a field, or you've fished in a national park, or you've walked on Cape Cod National Seashore, or you've you've walked down, frankly, a beach in Everglades National Park, right? Probably some money came from the Great American Outdoors Act. And it's one of these funds that kind of gets rated. And the money doesn't go where it needs to go. And the Great Great American Outdoors Act, fully funded, uh, and and is putting the money where it needs to go. So all the overdue park projects, all every failing infrastructure in everything that's important to us as a country is going to start getting fixed. And that's huge. And that's a once-in-a-lifetime thing. And then I look at the great America, the American jobs plan, and I look at appropriation season and I read how this could kind of make 
all y'all's dreams come true. There's there's no doubt. I mean, we're, we prior to this legislative session, we literally fought for do- for every dollar um, for restoration, uh, for every goods restoration, and no- understanding that this was going to be is going to be a 15, 20 year fight to see restoration through the current plan. Um, this is a once in a lifetime opportunity where we are looking at a potential of 725 mil for the fiscal year 2020, 2022, uh, which is record spending for Everglades restoration. It allows us to get a ton of projects online, but through the American Jobs Net, uh, Plan, we have the ability to, to fully fund all the authorized projects in the Everglades Restoration Plan right now. Somewhere between three and $5 billion in potential spends an infrastructure that could fast forward every good restoration by 15 years. So wait, Benny, this is, you know, these are big numbers for people, but I think you need to take a step back and you got to sure. look back all the way when SERP passed in 2000. Florida's made investments of $4.5 billion. Congress is about $1.7 billion. Now, I'm not a mathematician kind of guy, but I'm thinking that's not equal when y'all are at 4.5 and they're at 1.7 over 20 years. And it kind of reminds me of the Great American Outdoors Act where you're just lacking all this funding. And Florida's clearly shown a commitment through several different administrations. And this was approved by Congress. So they're not, this is not like, this is, you know, people are terrified of spending these dollars and we've gone over, it's four to one payback. This makes sense. However, this really is just setting things right. That's right. Because they haven't been doing what they've supposed, they're supposed to do for 20 years. Yeah. In in 2000, the agreement was a federal cross share plan. And it was supposed to be $1 for every dollar. And uh, we haven't gotten that. And that's, that's the reason we, we've had so many delays and so many restarts. You know, anybody who's built anything in their life, an office, a house, or done a renovation in their house, understands you can't fund the contractor $5 at a time. You, ha- you have to mobilize and you have to see it through. And we have never been able to do that. Um, so this opportunity affords us many things. One to come whole on what was promised by the federal government in 2000 to put enough dollars in the authorized projects right now to see past all those potential delays in funding. Um, and three, fast forward a, a, a plan that has the potential to save the Everglades right now, 10 years from now, I don't know, but right now, yes. And so there's so many yeses, so many advantages to moving forward with this, right now that I mean, it just seems way too good to be true and uh, everyone down here everyone oh, for the first time that i've been involved in fighting for the everglades for the first time every single organization who's fighting for the glades is in a complete agreement that this is the sole focus right now that we and can you get. guys had benny i think you had 27 members of congress 16 yeah. republicans 11 democrats Say this is it. They wrote a letter. The, the Brian, only... I think Brian Mast was one of the guys who led the charge. Of course. Um, 
you know, what a, I mean, what, what a, first of all, I just got to say for him, like what a, uh, what a guy, man. Like, you know, that's, that's the kind of leadership I think all of America, you know, uh, is, is kind of looking for with what he's done with addressing the issues in his district, uh, the water yeah. issues. That's leadership in my, unless, unless I'm missing something. Um, yeah. I, I wish we all had leaders like that when it came Funny to Funny story about, about Brian. Um, and 15 was the year that we, we lost all of our seagrass in Florida Bay. And um, I immediately got engaged and, and went to all the local meetings and found myself in Tallahassee in a subcommittee hearing where I was able to present my side of the story. And there was this guy sitting next to me. He had crutches. He was missing legs. Um, he was not a politician at the time, maybe, maybe somewhere local, but not a representative, not a congressman, not a senator, just, just someone who was there fighting like I was. And um, I would stand up and say something, and he would stand up and say something very similar. And next to him, two guys with beards would stand up and say something else. And um, at the end of that subcommittee hearing, we, we got together and we're talking about it and comparing notes and ended up being Brian Mast who then became a, a house rep for, for a district in, on the east coast of Florida who was receiving discharges. And the two bearded guys very famously started captains for clear water. They were representing the west coast, fighting for, lack, for, for discharges. And I was in Florida Bay fighting for all that water that they were getting erroneously. And um, that's when, that was the meeting, when all of us understood that we had to do this together that it, it had to be together. But Brian was fighting way before he was even in, in politics. Um, he understood the value of, of bringing passion to the fight. And you can, you can hear it. You can see it in his eyes when he presents on, in, in Capitol Hill um, in front of members of Congress, in front of the president, in front of whoever. It's, he's not speaking about policy that he needs to, to pass a bill because he promised somebody. He's He's speaking from the heart. It's about passion. It's pretty awesome. Well, I think the other thing, Benny, that's pretty awesome is, you know, we're sitting here talking about politics and, and we're talking across the aisle stuff. And in a, in a world where, you know, everyone kind of feels like beaten up and with, with politicians and, you know, everyone, it's, it's kind of a, it's kind of a dour time. You know, this is like a beacon of light. That kind of shows that it it does that. It, it's not a, again. It's not a partisan issue. Like it just makes sense. And and a lot of times you have to find that passion and get those two or three leaders that'll that can kind of step outside and just do the right thing instead of worrying about you know all the other mess that they have to worry about. Um, you, know, you know, I, I think. Can, oh, well, I was going to say. You know, one thing that that really intrigues me about uh, specifically the opportunity in front of us with the infrastructure package is, uh, Benny touched on it a couple times, timeline, and kind of paralleling to what ASGA has been focused on, what you guys have been involved with on the striped bass efforts, uh, you're just shifting now into uh, bluefish efforts and a bunch of other species. I think you know, the really difficult problem about taking conservation to the general public is the timelines and the fact that you need people to buy in, be highly engaged, 
And sometimes you need them to be highly engaged over many years, right? I think we just went through the PID process with Striped Bass. We needed people to be as engaged as possible up and down the East Coast. And that was just the PID process. And now that's going to go into making the PID. We're going to need people again at the end of this year to hop into the conversation again. And so the fact that you need people engaged for sometimes 12, 18, 24 months just to go through a management process, it gets implemented. And then, you know, you need two, five, 10 plus years to see how that process actually works on, on what you're, what you're trying to impact. It's, it's the long game. And that's something. Oh, there's no, it's, there's no buzzer beater. Exactly. No one, no one, not, there are high fives in the end zone with no time left on the clock. It's not that game. You know, you just, I tell, I tell Willie, our executive director all the time, you just stand in the ring dead center and you just start taking shots at each other and you just wait until somebody just walks away. Right. And, and that, and that's like kind of, and it could be years, right? It could Mm -hmm. be year. It could be more than years, but it's not, there's, you have to be an idiot to do this, to do what we do, because there's no, there's no glory. Most of the time, 70% of the people hate you, no matter what you say or do. I was, I I was accused of being a a lobbyist for an industrial menhaden fleet. (laughs) <laughs> Not a few short months ago when I've been fighting those guys for literally 25 years. I think when you walk in their office, there's like a picture of me with darts on the wall, like, you know, right on my forehead. And like, this just random person online is like, you lobbyist for blah, blah, blah. I'm just like, what the hell? Like, I, you know, I, that's what I'm saying. It's good to be dumb. So, um, you know, Benny, I think like the success with Captains for Clean Water I, I would I'm not ashamed to admit it, but we you look at what we're doing with fisheries policy, the guides association on the East Coast, and uh, and we do look at you guys and say and say you know they stayed true to themselves, you know they 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 stayed the course, never changed their mantra, you know, and and did all of these things and built the base and all this kind of stuff, and. You know, but we're not, me and John are not new with this. Uh, John McMurray, the other guy that's doing the guides association with Willie and me. Um, we're not, we're not new at this. Um, but the success that you guys had is pretty incredible. And I, I think your ability to leverage technology played a huge role in your messaging. Huge. And that kind of brings me up to your program the guiding flow and i mean what a platform and and look folks if i can do this anybody can do it if you go to your smart tv and look at waypoint tv and then you just search for guiding flow that's benny's show and benny's show every episode gets millions of viewers and again like i'm telling you like me working a remote is something like uh, 2001 Space Odyssey with the chimp with the femur bone hitting the monolith. So, like, if I can find Waypoint TV and look at Guiding Flow, trust me, you can too. And I see this, I'm watching it, and I see these beautiful, beautiful shots and stunning video. And then every episode is really just a story about conservation. 
and I'm sitting there, and I, I texted Willie, our director, and I said, Fine, you, you're, you're now in charge of our new television show. I don't know what it's going to be called, but I like this idea. So we'll see how Willie runs with that. But, Benny, how did you get that going? Because it's a pretty incredible story. Um, it's, it's really not a long story, but, but uh, you know, we were just riding that, that initial wave of trying to get people motivated, educated, uh, and involved. And we realized that you have to take five steps back and educate the average person because the average person had no idea um, that we had even had water quality issues in Florida, let alone how important the Everglades is to them and, and then they're connected to it. Um, and so we had to create this education platform, this ability to educate masses. And um, social media certainly helped that, there's no doubt, but social media is limited. Um, there's, there's only so many people who are going to click on the link even though you shared it. There's, there's a million people who will share it without even clicking on the link. So we need to have the ability to reach more people. And um, we were in D.C. at one time, and, and we were just joking about it. Like, what, you know, wouldn't it be funny if we had a TV show? So you guys we were, were in D.C. goofing around, and you said, hey, let's have a friggin' show. Yeah, we were, we were in D.C. I don't, can't remember what it was for. I don't even know if it was Daniel and Chris, but it was a few of us. And we were just joking about how, how funny it would be if – how amazing it would be if we had this sh a, a TV show where we could go to every fishery and ex expose what the issues are and rally, you know, localized support. And um, like a week goes by and I'm offered a show, a fishing show, um, to take over a show that somebody had dropped. And, and, and you know, if anybody knew me before Guiding Flow, I was like anti-sponsor, anti ambassador. I didn't want to be listed on anybody's pro staff. I, I frankly didn't want to have a call from anyone. Um, and I realized that this, that this was an opportunity. Again, what we talked about earlier, Tony, you know, we've created these platforms, but for what? To, to promote ourselves, to promote our business. And um, if I was being offered a show, that was my opportunity. That was my opportunity to do something different, to change this culture, to change the industry if I could. Um, so I said, yeah, I'm going to, I'll do this show, but I'm the only condition I have is that it's going to be about bad water. And I mean, right away I was told you're nuts. Um, I think every single initial, you know, um, pitch that I did at ICAST, I was told you're nuts. You can't have a successful fishing show and talk about bad water. And man, I'm a fishing guy. You don't tell fishing guy no. And so I was like, yeah, you're right. I can't, no problem. And I came back the next year. And, um, and you know, two things you can't do. One is you can't fake passion. And two, you can't tell a guide no. And that's how Guiding Flow started. <laughs> Benny, it's so frustrating, man, because, you know, I'll have people contact me. Simple yeah. stuff. Can you write an article for my magazine, right? Can you write an article for Blue... And I'm not going to say what magazine. Can you write mm -hmm. an article about fly fishing the Chesapeake Bay for bluefish. And my response was, bluefish are in the shitter. <laughs> right. And I, I, it really needs to be a conservation article. Because I can't honestly write something about catching something that isn't here anymore. Right. I think that's not right. Okay, thank you. <laughs> yeah. I, I, know, I have 
you know, I know a lot of, you know, a lot of people, I know a lot of people try to sell a conservation article. It's hard to a magazine, try to even get them to print it for free. I mean, people, people who run these things are that are, Oh my God. I mean, the, the biggest loud mouth, you know, say they're environmentalists and you say, well, Hey, I'd really like to tell you the story about striped bass. It would be great if we could get 200 more comments and yeah, you know, conservation doesn't sell. And I, I, you know, Tony, truthfully, I think we're going to see Benny reference culture shift. We're going to see that continue to flip uh, in the sense of big business, because I mean, there is social science to back up the fact that at least my generation, younger generations significantly consider uh, a brand, you know, I want to say it's around 80 percent. Uh, of uh, younger generation, my generation, millennials, consider a brand's involvement eco-conscious, if they are eco-conscious, if they're involved in conservation efforts, um, in their purchasing decisions. And so I think, you know, you're starting to see the shift. And I think you're seeing the companies that have made the shift, like you talk about, there's, there's traditionalism in the industry still. And it's slowly becoming a dying breed of the new age doesn't want to to just be sold or just see... The glamour because the reality of what's going on uh, I think starts to hit home more with the new generation the industry outdoor industry is growing at a rate we've never seen it was growing insanely fast then COVID happened and more people want to be outside and away from t- 17 you know, million can- Cody I think there were yeah. 17 million new anglers in the country last year that's that's insane and I think if we look at that the right way that's 17,000 p- potential activists stewards of, of their waters if if they learn the right way and so it is pretty exciting to see some really big brands um putting conservation first i think they know if they tell the tale and, and stand up for people you know benny's talked about it if you saw a company come down and say we're going to put our money where our mouth is and help fight for the everglades when you go to buy a rod a reel a hat sunglasses socks whatever the hell you're going to buy you're going to be like well not for nothing that you know, the marketing guy or the sales guy or the CEO of that company put out a note about, um, you know, feeling that connection is important. It, it influences business, right? And so tying it all back into to ASGA's better business through conservation uh, is really important. And that's why when you when you look at what you talked about, the, the traditionalism of, of people who don't want to talk about it, I think it's going to hurt them in the long run if it's, if it's not already uh, in well, a pretty Benny- significant way. I think it's safe to say, Benny, that captains and the guides association wouldn't exist if the traditional groups had done the right thing. Oh, there's no doubt. I mean, I mean why if if everyone was doing the right thing, why in the for the love of God would literally I mean when you add us all up in the very beginning of captains, in the very beginning of the guides association, you're probably talking about six guys, maybe seven, maybe that just said, screw this. Not on my watch. Nobody else is doing anything. Here we come. Yeah. And that's not an easy thing to do. And why in the world would any human do that? Cause it's horrible. It's, it's 20 hour days on top of the regular work that you're doing. It's, you know, it's thankless, it's paperwork, it's it's all the mundane, horrible stuff that, frankly, people like me and you aren't built for. But you, right. we did it because nobody else was, because the people who should have been doing it weren't. Right. I, I, 
you know, when I first got involved, I, I thought, I literally thought, I'm going to take one day off of work and I'm going to go up to Tallahassee and I'm going to tell them this is what happened and then they're going to fix it. That's what I thought. Um, what actually happened is I put on an old suit coat that barely fit me because what guy needs a suit coat? And uh, I made my trip to Tallahassee every horrible minute of that drive. I made my way to Tallahassee. And what I found was that those organizations you're talking about had no sense of urgency, zero passion, had no idea that this was so critical because they're not on the water every day. And I, I got done with that meeting, you know, like, like a guide would adapting and, you know, rolling with the punches, going from that sense of optimism that I was going to tell them and they were going to fix it to absorbing the depression that we are in a much worse state than, than that because no one's fighting for it to absolutely owning that responsibility. I, ca I remember calling my wife the second I hit my car and I said, I need to buy at least two more suits and I need to take off at least five more days a month because I'm going to these places and I'm going to kick ass. And that's, <laughs> honey, that's, honey, get, that's wait for Brooks brothers to have a sale. I'm coming. <laughs> That's what I do. I'm like, I'm like, tell me, I'm like, get on that newsletter and yeah. you tell me when they have that two for one sale. <laughs> I'm not going that. I'm going that, that day because that's the only day I can afford it. That's this the day whole I'm going. podcast is just a pitch for uh, Benny's next sponsorship to be Macy's. I think he, <laughs> he just needs a couple more. Hey man, we got to get everybody involved. <laughs> hey man, that's um, that's my excuse why I'm not losing weight. I can't afford the new suits; they can't get taken in that much. I gotta keep I gotta keep my uh, my my figure, my current figure. I'll go bankrupt. So, but no, it's 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 hysterical actually. That like, you know, you, you just you get to a point and you you have that you have that epiphany, and you're just like. I don't know. Like, if I ask Cody, who are who are like five people that he wouldn't ever want to get into like a real argument with, like like a debate, I think you and I may make the list, right? It's, and it's just that it's like that bulldoggedness that like, no, 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 like no, nah. because like I was seeing how everyone else was doing it, and that's not how I do things. Right. And people think it doesn't work, Benny, but it does, right? Tell them. There's, there's no doubt. I mean, we, I would go to these, these meetings initially and, you know, those politicians, as you, I'm sure, are very well versed, Tony, you go to these politicians and a lot of them have just these like pre-recorded statements. It's almost like you're talking to a live person, but they push a button. And it's, Sorry, Mr. Tony. And the answer is blah, blah, blah. And, and that would just, I mean, it would send me into another level of anger that I could never come down from. Um, there was a young Latin uh, politician in D.C. in 2016 that I think I ate his lunch so hard that day that all of his all of his staffers were crying. That's 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 that he sent me into that level. And so um, the cool thing about being a guide in T Tallahassee or D.C. is no one there is my boss. They they can't do anything to negatively affect me. Uh, you know, there I have. I'm not beholden to anyone, not a Democrat, not a Republican. I'm beholden to the water that I represent, and I'll be damned if I let them tell me anything different. And so, there's a lot of power in having real stakeholders with passion, fueled by passion, 
in those places. And that's why organizations like ASGA and Captain Clean Water succeed because again, we're fueled by passion and no fear. Mm-hmm. And I think, I think the, you guys both kind of referencing the catalyst, right? Of you, someone has to take the first step. And I think there's a lot of people that hear what different nonprofit conservation groups have to say and, and believe in it wholeheartedly. If you said, hey, does water quality matter? you know, in the state of Florida, how many people are going to say a hundred percent? No. Right. You know, most people are going to be supportive of the concept, but it takes that catalyst to kickstart the entire movement. And then you start to see that most people are like, you know, I believe it, but they have their own hesitancies, whether it's, you talk about in guiding the fear. I've heard a lot, uh, you know, at Slack tide, the guide rendezvous, a lot of people talked about, uh, like a, a fear of negatively affecting business. How am I going to sell trips for someone to come catch a redfish if I tell you the water's horrible and there's no redfish? And so people have their own hesitancies there. I think you talk about being beheld to different political parties if you are involved in the political spectrum or if you're a business. Um, some businesses do step into the political realm, some don't, but there's a fear of maybe alienating uh, one side of the customer base by doing so. And so it really comes down to that first catalyst someone who takes the first step and leads the charge and it's funny how you 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 gentlemen have both been through different experiences that in the same way are similar and you take those first steps those first couple years and you turn back around and all of a sudden it was one person behind you now it's thousands who say like you know i i think i'm with that guy now and they they see the movement and a, a great stamp or or uh you know i guess representation of that in the community uh is the captains for clean water hat you see how many of those hats uh just a little knot hat badge patch you see it on little kid at the uh the coffee shop i saw one earlier this week in stewart right where it's a a 10 year old who obviously is not a guy not a business owner does not have years of political experience but there's a movement here that's also becoming socially trendy and i don't think that's something that you know, the group should fear. It's something you lean in on, right? That that clean water is becoming cool and that it takes that catalyst, but eventually it becomes a movement and the, the more the merrier here going forward. Benny, a lot of the conversations, and I, I think you guys have, and look, look, every group has its struggles. Every group has its turning points where you, you made a good decision or you made a bad decision. I don't think anyone ever starts one of these things with the idea in mind that this is going to go to hell in 10 years, right? Mm -hmm. But I think when you see growth that you guys have seen, one of the most challenging things, and we're seeing this, we're just scraping the surface of this in the Guides Association now, and I've had plenty of conversations with Cody and other people who are kind of in our circle of trust, like you guys have your circle of trust. How do you stay the same? How do you how do you grow and not lose your soul? Yeah. And that's a real well, issue. And you guys have done an excellent job with it. Yeah, well, I that I want to clarify quickly that that I that Daniel and Chris are captains of clean water and I, right. I am just I'm like their biggest ambassador and uh, honestly mainly because I'm just ignorant and naive enough to think that my voice matters, so I speak and yell whenever possible. But um Daniel all the credit goes to Daniel and Chris. They have remained razor focused, laser focused on Everglades restoration is our goal. And the only way to fix my problem in Charlotte Harbor, speaking from Daniel and Chris, 
or the problems for Brian Mast on the East Coast is to fix water going into Florida Bay, which is my problem. And so they've stayed laser focused. That I mean, a testament to them because there's been so many opportunities to speak up for Mesquite Lagoon, to to go fight for St. John's River, to you know, a million opportunities. And while they support those efforts, they stay laser focused on Everglades restoration because that's what they're for. And so um, if if I was ever going to start an organization to do something like that, it would I would absolutely follow that model and staying laser focused on a on a very you know black and white straightforward agenda, which is in their case to to further everybody's restoration to take that fight that's been stalled for decades and over the finish line, and um, it's it's pretty awesome to have watched them from the beginning to get to where they are now. And to see that now we have all this momentum going in Everglades restoration that we could potentially make Captains for Clean Water a model to be used around the country for every single fishery that's had an issue, for every single community that struggles with special interests owning the politicians, um, to, to, to empower communities all over the planet to speak up. I mean, I think that's, that's, that's where they, they had a bigger... A, gen, a bigger idea of what captains could potentially be, and I necessarily didn't, and um, and they owe, they're owed all the credit. Yeah, see, it's interesting, you know, because we're we've talked about this, and y'all, I've said, you know, captains fixes the water, we fix the fish, because <laughs> we're the policy wonks that are you know do the deep dive on Magnus and Stevens federal fisheries and the commissions and the councils and all that that nightmarish stuff and it's a little it's a little different but it's the same thing because we all suffer from the same problems right you have you have habitat issues you have clean water issues and you have poor management of the resource and a lot of times it's hitting you from all three directions and uh and and you can't do everything like you said you know hey save st john's you know oh my god pamlico sound has dirty water come up here and save us next you know they're gonna they're there's untreated sewage going into Baltimore Harbor, Benny. When are you coming up to Baltimore? And you're like, man, I, <laughs> I got this one thing, <laughs> you know, like I got this. So it's almost like you're the bad guy for being the good guy, you know? Right. And I feel like we at the guides association have to make like Sophie's choice where you're like, we don't, have, I don't have time to comment on this, you know, but this is in our wheelhouse and we got to count, you know, we got to fully engage on this issue. And, uh, and it's, it's never, there's never enough time in the day and there's never, there, there's never a shortage of issues. And, um, and man, I, I hope and pray that you guys 10 years from now, that, that, that this appropriation season is kind to you, that this infrastructure package that's being pushed by the administration, that y'all get full consideration. And, I, and I've never seen, again, I've never seen 27 Congress people of varying parties agree on one thing. And I've been around a long time. So uh, I don't know. I'm hopeful for you. And yeah. I know that y'all set up a pretty killer blog that explains everything. And I think that there's a call to action, a way to talk to your, for a way for just average Joe to hop on your website, put their zip code in, and send information to their congressperson saying this is important to me and y'all have members in like all 50 states now right so yeah, that's 
that was the cool thing we learned when we were trying to get the word of bill passed. Um, we that's when the call to action was initially built into the website, and um, I think in like 20 days we had over 30,000 emails sent, representing every single state in the country, which is it's incredible. Incredible, and the and the thing and the thing with this infrastructure bill, it's the same thing. It's it's a it's a national fight for those funds. And um, you can't, while we have 27, you know, congressmen and senators from the state of Florida agreeing that that's important, that's, that's fantastic and that's, you know, that's historic and that's monumental, but we need 200 from across the country to speak up and say that they want it. And so, you know, and that's, and that's part of the reason why I'm doing the show. That's part of the reason why we're reaching out on social media. We created that call to action for the same purpose, that if we could get emails sent to every congressman, every senator, that every administration is important, that it is a good infrastructure spend, that it's a four to one return on investment, there's 450,000 jobs that can result from it. I mean, that all these potential benefits, then we could, you know, we could see maybe the, the max effort from, from DC. And, um, uh, that's the cool thing about, uh, again, about, you know, the, this social media engine that we've created in this, this, this movement based on passion is that we can affect someone in Alaska who, you know, who's never seen the glades, but dreams about maybe coming there one day. It's important th- to them. I think the connect- connectivity that Captains for Clean Water has displayed is, is probably one of the more uh, impressive feats out of everything that the organization has kind of uh, accomplished so early. Uh, you know, Captains just did a, a film recently that uh, had BTT involved, had Trout Unlimited involved, and it showed the connectivity between what was going on in Pebble Mine in Alaska and the Everglades in Florida. And to think about two places that are that are polar opposites, right? Literally, as far as temperature and, and climate goes. But I think that's really incredible. And I think that Tony touched on it. We said that we're all around the country. We outdoorsmen, anglers, conservationists all have the same systematic issues in different ways. And so I think that's what I've been most impressed with with captains is the ability to connect at scale um, and, and that connect also across nonprofit groups. I mean, there's one happening right now on this podcast. And then we talked about TU, we talked about BTT, other groups that are bringing science to the fight, focused on using sound science and the best available science for decision making. Uh, I, th- I think that's really inspiring uh, as well. And so the connectivity gives you hope because you talk about numbers, um, trying to get something integrated at a national level and funded to the scale of billions requires more than just the anglers of South Florida, right? It really does require the nation as a whole to say, this part of the nation is our priority. Um, you know, this community is part of our priority. So that is for me personally, I think the, the most inspiring part of this movement so far. Cody, I'm, I'm a simpler guy. I think the mm-hmm. most inspiring thing for me is that I've found a whole other group of people who don't let their egos get in the way of getting a job done. Because you get one toxic person in in these organizations, and I, I speak from experience. You get one toxic person, and it just rots the thing from the inside. And, and it's that passion, right? You could not find two more opposite people than me and Dr. William Goldsmith. Um... <laughs> It's like a comedy show. Like when we're on together, 
and uh, it's it is it is Felix and Oscar. It's the it's the old guy and the young's Mister Smarty Pants. You know whatever, but we don't butt heads because we're in it for the right reason, and we don't bring our egos to the table. And the goal is just fix it. Just fix the problem, man. We don't want to... I don't want to leave nothing for my kid. I know Benny doesn't want to leave anything for his kids. He wants to leave them like a national treasure. And give them the same opportunities we had. And and it's just... It's pretty awesome. And I, and I think the thing is passion. Benny hit on it like half a dozen times. You love this? You do it when you're tired and you don't want to. You, you sacrifice for it. Right, it's not for fame or fortune. <laughs> it's it's because it actually means something to you, and and you and you got a long term approach to it. So, I mean, I think that's that's the most incredible and inspiring thing for me is that there's there's a there's a lot of people who don't bring their egos to the table, and they're not in it for themselves. They're in it for the right reasons, and they're the cream's rising to the top, right? So I think I think it's time for our listeners to head over to Cabinets for Clean Water blog and take a look at the blog from April 2nd, Once in a Lifetime Opportunity to Save a National Treasure, and put your frickin' partisan sabers away. Hmm. Save the goddamn Everglades. I mean, yeah. it's just that easy. Do something. Yep. Do something. 15 seconds, it'll take you. You couldn't have made it any easier. I could do These- it. These emails are so important. I mean, so I know you're. T- I know I try to get people to send them all the time. <laughs> I don't know what we got to get through to people, but like, see, it's weird, Benny. Form letters like this, they don't they don't work in some of the arenas that we play in. They'll right. just flat out tell you they don't count at the council right. or the commission. Right. Ah, for, we don't count those as much. This right. stuff counts oh, on yeah. Capitol Hill. This counts. Oh, yeah. They have folders. The staff. The staff members who have a portfolio, environment, energy, pharmaceuticals, whatever committee their their boss is on, and they keep a folder, and they say this is this is how much your constituents care. And then what happens is the boss comes running in thirty minutes before a vote, and says, "Tell me about this," and you got a staffer fumbling through everything, and they got a stack of emails seven inches thick, and you win. Oh yeah. That's a, a lot of times it comes down just to that. I mean, to the to the extent that when going back to that Warda call to action when we sent those emails, legislators were calling asking to turn it off. <laughs> turn it off. <laughs> we're gonna approve it. Turn it off. Like so, you know, does it work? Yes, it works. Does does fighting for something that you love work? Yes, it works. It's working here. Um, you know, and, and speaking of connectivity, I want to uh, hit on this before you guys shut me down, but, um, we, you know, I don't know if we can talk about this, Tony, you tell me, but I, I'm super pumped about using this guiding flow TV show that I created to, to, to put ASG on the ASGA on the map down here and to connect our fights because there is a ton of connectivity oh, between yeah. our issues down here and what you're doing up there and, Captains can learn from HGA and HGA can learn from captains. And I think together we could be like unstoppable. And so um, I think uh, our, our first step is, is doing a show together this year. 
No, I'm, I cannot even begin to express to you how excited and, and what an opportunity it is for us to be on your show. And I think when, when people watch that show, um, they're going to see that we are all connected. I mean, it's, it's absurd. Uh, we may not live close together, but fish have fins <laughs> and they move around. And the stuff that we do up here impacts you. The stuff that you do down there impacts us. And, um, and we're specialists in different things. It's like, you know, in IT, one guy's a web designer, the other guy's a graphic designer, the other guy's a network engineer, and he builds the guts of it. You know, like I said, you guys do the water, we do the fish. I think people have this imp impression that, like, Captains for Clean Water has, like, four offices in a high-rise in some, you know, in some complex... And basically, it's not like that. And neither is the Guides Association. You know, it's lean and mean. And it's it's a couple of people working their tails off. And if we can actually all get along and stay in our... So everyone's, you know, Guides Association stays in their lane. We do what we're good at. Y'all do what you're good at. That's it right there. Like, For that's sure. it. We're so much the same, Tony. It's not even funny. Like uh, most of my conversations with Daniel and Chris are like between 11 p.m. and like two o'clock in the morning. <laughs> That's not because you know we we sleep during the day. That's because we work all day long. They, they it's just the only time that we can all get together and talk because we are so busy. You're the same way. I can tell. Like it's anyone who's in this fight for love, for passion, to save something that they love. That there's not a punch clock. There's not a a mansion that they're going to. There's not a big paycheck at the end of the week. Um, it just, it's not about that. It's never, never been about that for me. God, if, if I was doing the show based on a business decision, I would have said no three years ago. Like there's, I mean, I, I don't make any money on the show. I, as a matter of fact, I'm pretty sure that I'm funding it myself at this point. It's, it's, it's pretty, it's pretty terrible. Don't but, say that too loud, man. Your wife may hear like, <laughs> <laughs> yeah. my wife knows all too well but she also knows how very stubborn i am and how very much i love the water that i fish and um and she knows how badly i want to be able to pass on a restored everglades to my grandkids and so there's no way she'd tell me no now i might get dirty looks but uh you know she tell me no Benny, one of the most ridiculous questions I have been asked more than once in my life is like, what do you want your legacy to be? And I'm like, that's the most absurd question. Like, I, I don't even want anyone to know my name. Like, I, I just want to live in a quiet place. And I do me and everyone else does them and just leave me alone. And then I guess the only thing that I would want out of all of this, like from a personal thing, it's just to be an old guy sitting on a porch on a beach and seeing like a bunch of young kids running down the beach full bore with their surf casting rods running after some breaking stripers and just being like, you know what? That's pretty cool. And I think you, you're, you want the same thing. You would love to be, you know, an old guy out on a boat and somebody takes you for a Sunday cruise and you see beautiful seagrass resources, pristine, and you see some little kid pop their first juvie tarpon in front of you. And you just be like, well, that's it, right? That's all I yeah, needed. for sure. I mean, my, mine 
revolves more around my grandkids for sure. But um, I, I mean, I'm already, I'm already seeing that down here to an extent, Tony. Um, I'll pull up to a ramp, um, you know, one, of the, one that I frequent, and a little kid will run straight across the parking lot. Hey, you're Benny, 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 you're Benny, right? And yeah, I'm Benny, yes. And well, I want to tell you, yesterday I was out here with my dad and we picked up trash and then we caught a redfish tailing and then I saw tarpon over there and, and, and we did all this and, and I got my new hat from Captain's and I mean, that's what I, I didn't know I wanted that, but from the last five years, that's exactly what I wanted. Um, but personally, I know there's going to be a day when I'm on my skiff with my grandson or my granddaughter and we're going to be in Florida Bay and it's going to, it's either going to be, we're either going to be in a mud pile again, still where nothing has changed and, and everything I did was what didn't, didn't matter. Or it's going to be, look at this beautiful grass and all these fish. And the reason this is the way it is, is because your grandfather stood up and spoke up and everyone around us stood up and spoke up. And now it's your turn. That's what I want that conversation to be. And so I stay focused on that. And, um, and, and the cool thing is that if you focus on something like that, everything else falls into place, you know, um, it falls into place. And, and going back to how Cody and I met, you know, or his initial, when he talked about initial meeting me at ICAST and me talking about passion, I, I really wanted to not only affect the culture in the kids and the next generations, to make them get away from that take, take, take mentality where I'm going to the, the glade so I can fill my cooler full of redfish to I'm going to the Everglades to see how, how I can do to help to fix it. Um, I, but I also wanted the industry to be involved. And um, one of the, the main reasons that I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to have that ability to do a show with you guys up, up, up north is for as a result of that first meeting when Cody was involved. Companies like Costa Sunglasses stepping up in like major fashion um, for every conservation effort around the country, ASGA, Captures Clean Water, every single one. Um, but giving me the ability. I think they're sponsoring, they're one of the big sponsors of BTT Science. I mean, Symposium. literally every they walk single the conservation walk. effort. Listen, if yeah. anybody, I, I got to tell you, I, you know, all these silly groups that I'm part of, these fly fishing groups, uh, what what sunglasses should I get? I like I like the such and such and this and Costa. My reply always is, I've been doing this a long time, and there's there's Costa and then there's everybody else when it comes to conservation, and that's the truth. Yeah. I mean that's that's the God's honest truth. They step up to the plate. You could have a crazy idea. They'll sit down and listen to you. They'll hammer it out, and they walk the walk. And like I've gotten to the point where I'm like, you know, if somebody uses somebody other sunglasses in Costa, I'm like, oh my god, didn't you read that report that gives you eye cancer? Like, get those <laughs> things off your head, like you fool. You know what I mean? You're gonna be blind. You can't guide if you're blind. And like, it's just gotten to that point with me. That's that's how like, that's how vicious of a supporter I am of uh, I am a Costa. I'll tell you guys a real quick story, and I think I think we're probably running short on time. So. I was a kid in my 20s, like my, my mid, middle, later 20s, and I was doing this fly tying uh, thing at a shop that isn't around anymore. I used to cast, do casting instructions and take people out and all that kind of stuff back when I was a kid before I was married. 
And uh, about halfway through the little demo day, a lot of people showed up. Man, it was like 100 people. I didn't think that many people were, uh, like 10 people were going to show up. People just had, you know, shack nasties in February and just came out in droves. Just, just you know, crappy snow and cold here. And, um, and there's big commotion at the front door and Lefty Cray walks through the door. And like, I look, man, I mean, he was my hero. He, he lives, he's, he's was from Maryland. The dude was my hero. I, I, I think the world of him and, and I, I about fell out of my chair and the whole day went by really fast. And, uh, and, and I was cleaning up the shop. Everyone left and I hear the toilet flush upstairs. Lefty comes out, you know, he shakes my hand. He introduces himself like he had to. Like, you know, like I was like, like I would, you know, I could have spotted him in a crowd of 50,000 people. And he just said to me straight up, he goes, uh, you know, I, I've heard about you. I've heard of you're a firebrand conservationist young man. And he's like, when Joe Brooks taught me how to fly fish, he said I had to teach the sport to young kids and, uh, and, and, and be a conservationist and preserve the resource. And I made that promise to him and Joe Brooks helped me throughout my whole life and blah, blah, blah. And I'm going to make you the same deal. And for the next 20 something years that we were friends before he passed away, every corner, every turn, every twist left, he was right there helping me out. So I kind of see this as like keeping a promise to him. And he made the promise to a lot of people. There's a lot of fly anglers out there that people don't know about Blaine chocolate. I mean, Christ, Bob Popovics, Clouser. You know, people used to make fun of Popovics for the flies that he tied. Um, you know, saying they were hardware flies and stuff. And Lefty stuck by him. And now they're staples in Northeast striped bass fishing. You don't even talk about striped bass flies without talking about Popovics flies. So this, it's, it's, you know, for me, it was a guy like that, the icon of the sport, that had the foresight to create disciples up and down the coast that would, that would do good conservation work. And when somebody like that makes a promise to you and they pay it forward, I mean, you got if you're a human, you pay it back to them. So like, I'm I'm down with the whole being a granddad and taking you know uh, taking taking my grandson or my granddaughter fishing and watching them pop their first topwater striper. But I kind of got a promise to keep to an old friend too. So like, this stuff is is in all of our hearts, Benny, and I and I just think you did an excellent job explaining to the viewers you know the truth of what captains really is um you know it's it was an idea and it was it was a single focus cause that's manifested itself into like a a small cultural movement in florida it's affected elections and it may change the course of florida history it's important for people to be involved and it's important for people to pay attention so what goes on at Capitol Hill? Because this is where the rubber meets the road. We're not monsters for going to Capitol Hill. We're not horrible people for lobbying for the resource. You know? It's where you get things done. And if you don't operate at that level, all you're doing is yelling in a bucket. So, you know, super congratulations on y'all's success. Please, everyone, go to the website captains for clean water look at the blog from april 2nd once in a lifetime opportunity send the email to your congressmen please you can make a difference in the time you listen to this podcast you could probably send about uh, 700 emails yeah Yeah, maybe even more it's you know it's you go in you put in your name address you put in your zip code 
zip code populates who your representatives would be. A form letter's built. You can add a personal note if you want. I mean, you could knock it out in 60 seconds. So um, easy task, and I, I second that. I hope everyone, it's their, their first initial reaction to this. If they're still, uh, you know, stay tuned with us through this entire podcast is 60 more seconds. It means a lot. For well, sure. thank you, it's, Benny. And I, yeah, I look forward. I look forward to the days when we can get back to Capitol Hill and go together and talk about the same stuff and force multiply. And I look forward to all the cool ass stuff that we're gonna do together in the upcoming years. There's no doubt, buddy. I'm. I cannot wait to get up there and tell the story of the connectivity with Stripers and Tarpon and Menhaden and why. We, you know, we're all in this together. I cannot wait. So uh, thanks so much for having me, Tony. Thanks for giving me an opportunity to talk about Captains in the Glades and, and having everybody go to captainsforcleanwater.org and send that email. Send it a million times if you can. Um, if you want a personal note, tell them Benny sent you or tell them Rick Scott's a scumbag, whatever. But <laughs> make, sure, make sure the email goes because we, we desperately need it in the fate of the Everglades and the legacy of our generations lie in the balance. Awesome. Thank you, sir. Good deal. Thank you all for listening.